All right, well, it's good to see you guys. If we haven't met, my name's Charlie. Uh, I am the youth pastor here at First Methodist. Um, yeah, woohoo. It's like a subtle woohoo, so I appreciate that. Um, so I want to start out by just telling you an interesting fact about me. On my left leg, just above my ankle, on the very back side, right along the Achilles tendon, I have a scar about three inches. And uh, it's a memento from camp this summer, uh, Camp Nova. Uh, early, the last day of camp, early that morning, the, the campers and I, we, or my, my students and I decided to hike to the falls at Cedar Canyon. If you've never been to Cedar Canyon, you have to go to the falls. And if you're super awesome and super brave, when you get to the falls, you have to hike below the falls and like check out the water falling from below. And of course, our group was super brave and super awesome, so we did. And of course, being water what it is and how rocks react to water, it was slick and slippery. And uh, we were hiking kind of down below and trying to get to where we could actually stand underneath the water. And I took a step and my foot slipped and the back of my leg was just sliced open from a jagged rock. It was incredibly fun. And so I just kind of gripped my teeth and we uh, hiked back and I, I walked into the nurse's office and I show him my leg and just instinctively this camp nurse grabs some gauze and this clear liquid off of the shelf, right? And he just instinctively starts taking this clear liquid and just kind of pouring it on this gauze, like looking at me, like we're friends or something. And then right before he presses that gauze next to my leg, he says, this is going to burn. And as soon as that piece of gauze with that magical clear liquid touched the cut on the back of my leg, all I could say was, man, you were not lying. Right? Because I was at camp. I couldn't say the words that were in my head. I had to say something different. Right? And then he began to rub. Right? Rubbing this clear liquid into my wound. And as I'm wincing in pain and trying to do my best John Wayne impersonation, uh, he says something I'll never forget. He says, well, without pain, there is no healing. Without pain, there is no healing. You know, and what he said was true. I knew it was true. But just because it's true and I know it's true does not mean that I like it or I like how it felt. Without pain, there is no healing. And that would probably be true for most of us in this room. This book right here is a book that uh, Pastor Rick and Roman and I, uh, Rick's already finished it, Roman and I are currently reading it, <laughs> and called Failure of Nerve. Amazing book, very difficult to read, but in there, uh, the author references some research on pain. And this research states that the majority of us would rather endure a reasonable amount of pain for a lifetime rather than endure a shorter moment of intense pain that would lead to a lifetime of healing. Most of us would rather deal with just a small portion of dull pain, a tolerable pain for a lifetime, than go through a season of intense pain that would lead to healing. But without pain, there is no healing. But we, we don't like that. We don't like pain as humans. We do all sorts of stupid things to try to avoid pain. And I want you to keep that in mind as we uh, work through uh, the scripture we're going to talk about today, today we're going to be reading through Genesis chapter 3. That's the only text we're going to look at today. And it's the story of Adam and Eve and the fall. 
But I, I love this text because it, it's the perfect text to talk with a, a mixed group of people. In this story, there are three characters. There's God, there's Adam, and there's Eve. We can, count, we can say four if we want to count the serpent. But in this story, there's a male and a female, and we have males and females in here. And so this is a great story for you to try to relate to the characters. I really want you to try to, to connect with their emotions. Think, what would you do in that scenario? How would you feel if you betrayed the only person who you've ever known to love you? If you disobeyed them and, and broke the world, essentially, what would be going on in your mind? And so with that said, if, if you are following along, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 3. And I'm just going to kind of work through that whole text. We're going to read for a little bit, and we're going to talk for a little bit, and then we'll read some more. So let's start Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? I want, just this is subtle. Notice the serpent didn't say, God didn't say that. He said, did God really say that? He's trying to cast doubt into the minds of, of Adam and Eve. It's very subtle. Verse 2. Of course we may eat from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It is only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. Question for you, is that what God said? No. From the front row who's here for this first service. Good job, way to pay attention. No, the answer is no. And this is just sidebar, this is bonus for you getting up and being at church. This is just bonus material for you. That is not what God said. God in, in chapter 2 said to Adam, you should not eat the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He did not say anything about don't touch it. And so just for us, it's, it's just very important that we accurately understand God's word. And we accurately apply God's word. That's why it's important to come to a context like this and discuss God's word. That's why it's important to get into a small group and discuss God's word. Because if we're not careful, we can end up being more strict than God. Because God said don't eat it. Eve added don't even touch it. And that's a very slippery slope when we attempt to start being more strict than God himself is being. So that's bonus for you um, just for showing up today. So congratulations. Let's keep going. Verse 4, you won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. She wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. Another sidebar moment. Um, Eve gets a bad rap for breaking the world, Right? No, her and Adam made that decision together. It says he was there with her. He heard what the serpent said. He was tempted as well. They both committed that sin and broke the world together. Okay, it wasn't just Eve's fault. Um, I'm kind of shocked, just like in the first service. I thought I might get an amen from one of the ladies in the room. No, it's too late. It's too late. I thought I'd get an amen from the people who were like, it wasn't Eve's fault, all her fault, amen. Preach, preacher, just keep going. No, it's okay. It's all right. I'm not going to bring it up again, so... So Adam and Eve made that decision together. They broke the world uh, in unison. The two become one. So they are both equally guilty because they both chose to listen to the serpent and eat of the fruit. 
Verse 7. At that moment, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. And I want to stop right there. So a lot happens here between verses 3 and verses 7. Adam and Eve decide to betray the only being they have ever known to love them. They decide to um, disobey their father, their creator. And in doing so, uh, they feel shame for the first time. They realize that they are naked for the first time. And they begin to think through how they can fix that problem. Sin often leads to a cover-up. For some reason, built into our fallen nature is this tendency when we make a mistake, instinctively to start thinking about, how can I hide this? How can I cover this up? How can I make sure nobody finds out what I did? Sin often leads us down that path of, of trying to cover it up. Because once Adam and Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, uh, they, began, they experienced the wound of sin. They themselves personally were wounded. It says that they realized that they were naked. Their relationship with one another was also wounded. Because it says as soon as they realized that they were naked, they felt shame. And so they went and they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. So they were no longer able to just stand there before each other naked. They began to try to figure out how to hide themselves from one another. And so here's a key question. This is important. What did the nakedness of Adam and Eve symbolize? I want you to think about that. This first row is like, we got the answer. We were here in the first service. We know. I want you to think about that. What did Adam and Eve's nakedness symbolize? Because it seemed like that 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 nakedness was, was damaged somehow by their disobedience. So any, any guesses besides the first row? Any guesses? What did that nakedness symbolize? Somebody was saying something. Honesty. Honesty. Okay. Freedom. Freedom. That's a good word. I'd say maybe innocence. I mean, if you've ever been around a two-year-old, you know they'll just strip down bug naked and like run down the street and like wave at you as you drive by, right? They, they're just innocent. For me, though, I think for me, the best word that I could come up, all those are correct, but the best word that I could come up to describe it is vulnerability. When Adam and Eve experienced the wound of their sin, they were no longer able to be vulnerable with themselves, and they were no longer able to be vulnerable with one another, because immediately they realized that they were naked, and they tried to cover themselves. So they'd lost this ability to be vulnerable and to be open. And so... And they also, that also damages their relationship with God. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. But I want to talk about the fig leaves. Can we put that picture of the fig leaves back up there? Okay. This is their plan to cover their, their mistake, right? And I want to be practical about this, okay? This is not the best garment-making material. Can we all agree on that? But I think that the fig leaf is a beautiful illustration of the attempts that we make to cover, cover our wounds, to hide from our pain. Because we know that sin causes pain, causes a wound, and, and we as humans, we don't like that. And our instinct is to hide from that. But as our, our wise camp nurse said, without pain there is no healing. 
So Adam and Eve, their instinct is to go, we've got, we got to cover this up. We're naked. Let's cover that up. So let's just be real practical and think about the fig leaf. It's never going to fit right. Right? I mean, there's no seamstress in the world that's going to make all those jagged edges fit together. It's never going to fit right. And because it never fits right, it's never going to conceal everything perfectly. Parts of the evidence of their wound, the evidence of their sin is going to be exposed. Okay? Now, I want you to use your imagination with me. We're talking about fig leaves, but what we're really talking about is our attempts to hide from our pain. Our attempts to hide our wounds. Okay, so roll with me. We're using our imagination. So this fig leaf is a symbol of our own attempts to hide from pain. It's never going to fit right, and it's never going to cover everything perfectly. Our attempts to hide from our pain are always going to leave something exposed. They're always going to leave something just not quite fitting right. And it's not ever going to be comfortable. It's going to always itch. It's going to always kind of be scratchy. It's never, you're never just going to be able to rest uh, in this, in this hide, hidden place, in this effort to avoid pain. It's just never going to be right. And I think the best uh, analogy for us with the fig leaf is it's always going to wilt. It's always going to dry out and crack and need replacing. You're always going to have to. Adam and Eve were perpetually in this cycle of, of finding more fig leaves, sewing them together, putting them on. They wilt. They dry out. They fall away. So i got to go find more fig leaves. i got to sew those together. So they're constantly having to put forth effort to cover uh, this sin, to, to hide from this pain that their decisions have caused. Their decisions have caused. But isn't that... The cycle that we follow. I mean, there's always got to be one more drink to hide from the pain. There's always got to be one more episode on Netflix, one more sitcom as you hide away in your room with the door closed, avoiding contact with other people. There's got to be one more, one more sitcom that I can watch that'll cheer me up to make me feel better. There's got to be. A, there's always one more swipe of the credit card. I'll feel better if I get that, that grill that my neighbor has. Or I'll feel better if I have a newer car. I'll be able to conceal this inward pain that I'm hiding from a little bit better uh, if, if I have a newer car. There's always one more fake smile you have to put on when you're walking down the hallway of the, the church. I mean, that's mine. Just, you know, coming out of hiding with you. That's, that's mine with my personality. I'm a kind of a positive kind of extrovert kind of a guy in case you haven't noticed and um, it's much easier for me when I'm hurt and going through pain to like smile and joke and be like hey how are you oh good I'm great everything's great you know we got buckets of gold at my house what about your house you know uh, it's much easier for me to do that than to come out of hiding and say no I'm, I'm really having a bad day I'm hurting I'm in pain okay now I told the first services don't be trying to hold me accountable in the hallway if I tell you I'm doing great be like are you really doing great like don't be trying to hold me accountable um but that's what we do. But the fact that our attempts to hide from pain continue to wilt and need replacing should convince us that hiding prevents healing. Hiding prevents healing. If you're consistently hiding from your pain, you're really preventing yourself from being healed from that pain. 
And that was true for Adam and Eve personally. It was true between their relationship with one another because they were hiding from one another by trying to make these fig leaves, these fig leaf garments. But it also applied to their relationship with God. You see, uh, let's, go to, let's go to verse 8 through 10 and look at that. It says, When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? And he replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Pain and fear often are hand in hand. I'm hurting. I'm afraid. I'm going to hide. Now, what, what was Adam afraid of? Think about that. Like, it was just him and Eve and God. And the circumstances were perfect in which he had lived in. So he hadn't experienced anything previous to that that would cause him to be in fear of anything. I make the case that it was his lack of vulnerability, his loss of vulnerability that had uh, caused him to, to no longer be confident in his trust that God is good. Because he lost that, that trust to stand before God unashamed. And so that caused him to doubt, is God good? If he's not good, if I don't know if he's good, what happens if I stand before him and reveal this pain that I have? How is he going to deal with it? So he's lost that trust in who God is. Now here's the interesting point. This is a very, 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 very important question. Did God know what Adam and Eve had done and where they were hiding before he asked the question. I hear a few yeses. Everybody else saying no? Did God know what Adam and Eve had done and where they're hiding before he asked the question? Raise your hand if you say yes. He already knew. Okay. You're right. But that's key. That, don't skip that. That's key. Because we, if God already knew what they had done and where they were, then we have to ask ourselves, then why was he asking the question in the first place? Why didn't he just go in there and like snap his hands and make all the trees disappear and just get up in Adam's face and say, I know what you did and I'm so mad and I can't believe you did that. You broke the world, man. Or why didn't he just like reach through the trees with his like super arm and grab Adam and like pull him up close to him and get, get on to him? Like, why did you do that? See, he didn't do that because he knew the reason that Adam was hiding was because he was hurting. And if he forced him out of hiding, he would cause more pain. So what God in his infinite wisdom and his love, what he began to do is he began to woo Adam and Eve out of hiding. Where are you? Where are you? He was beginning to woo them and invite Adam and Eve to come out of hiding so they could receive healing. He was asking questions to show and remind them of his goodness. I'm not just going to burn the place down and find you and just read you the right act. I'm not going to just get on to you. I'm not going to smite you. I want to know where you are. I want you to come to me. Don't hide. I want to heal you. I want to help with the pain. Now, this is important. I don't believe... I believe God wanted to heal Adam and Eve, but he wasn't going to minimize the pain. Coming out of hiding was not going to make the pain go away. Really, I think what we're going to see here is that, the, that them coming out of hiding made the pain worse. There was more pain to be experienced. But, 
at the end of it, there was healing. You see, Adam and Eve came out of hiding, but what's the end result? In verse 21, it says that God went and he made clothes for them out of the skins of an animal. Okay? Now, again, I want you to use your imagination with me. Imagine the comparison of plucking a leaf off of a tree and watching an animal be killed and skinned. Imagine that. Imagine the sounds, smells, the experience, the emotions. See, Adam and Eve came out of hiding, and what they came out of hiding too was God having to kill an animal, remove its skin to make a more permanent clothing for them. So that, that to me, would have stirred up more pain with them than like, oh, man, that animal had to give its life because of the mistake I made to cover you know, me because of what I did. It doesn't say it overtly in that text, but you can infer, and I think it's wise to infer, that that was the introduction of the sacrificial system that would lead to the sacrifice of Christ that would ultimately cover the consequence of all of our sins and provide a complete healing for all of us. So Adam and Eve experienced a temporary moment of intense pain, but it led to a complete healing for not only them, but for all of us. But in order for that to take place, they had to come out of hiding and be willing to experience a short amount of intense pain that would lead to healing. Without pain, there is no healing. And hiding prevents healing. We have to get to the place where we trust our Savior enough to come out of hiding and be honest with Him about our pain. That text that we read should be one of the most beautiful, impactful, tear-inspiring scriptures that we ever read. This God who knew what Adam and Eve had done, how he had betrayed them, how they had uh, wronged him, how they had broken the world, the perfect environment that he had created, comes and says, where are you? I want you to come to me. And he's saying the same thing to us. We're all... Some of us are struggling with pain. Some of us have been through pain and we're hiding from it. And all the silly ways that we just talked about in others. And so this is the normal place in the sermon where I'm like, okay, here's the three to five steps to dealing with pain. You know, but I, don't, I don't really feel like that's what the Lord wants to do today. I feel like really what the, Lord, the Lord's desire for today, I, I feel like, is for, for some of us to just get to that place where we're like, Man, that hurts, but I've, I'm coming out of hiding. i gotta, I, I got to tell the Lord that it, that it hurts, that I'm in pain, and I need healing, and I, I, I don't want to hide anymore. And so I'm going to invite the, the uh, worship team or Jason, whoever it is, to come back up. And I just want to make the, uh, the altar open. I'm going to invite Roman up, and uh, Lupe and Kelsey are going to be up and available as well. And I just want this to be a moment to where, if nothing else, you can just come forward and be honest with the Lord and say, Lord, I'm in pain. It hurts. And I need healing. And I'm trusting that you'll do that if I'll be honest about my pain. And the only other thing I would challenge you to on your little piece of paper, that next step, is to make a commitment of, of somebody that you trust that you can tell you're in pain. Because Adam and Eve, they went to God and they came out of hiding and went to God, but they still had one another as well. And so we, don't, we can't just... Trust the Lord with our pain. We need to trust that pain with other people as well. And so 
just if you come forward and, and you are honest with God, I just encourage you to find somebody else in your life that you can be honest with as well about that pain. So I'm going to say a quick prayer, and then uh, the, the altar will be open if you'd like to, to come and pray.